What's happening and welcome to another Crossroads Connect podcast. Here we discuss everything from current Crossroad events to trending topics to how we can reconcile God's truth with the real world we live in. Well, hey, what's going on? This is uh, Jared, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Matt once again for episode 10. We Matt, made it to 10. We're on episode 10. We're in double digits and uh, looking forward to... Uh, just I feel like this should be a celebration. This we should, should have had Chick-fil-A yeah. milkshakes or something. If I can today. add, I'll try to find a sound effect that goes, woo, or something. I don't know. Or maybe yours is better because yours is food. So, uh, <laughs> but hey, so today we got uh, some cool things on, on, on the dock today for, for chatting. And, and the first thing we're going to talk about is we're going to talk a little bit about travel. Where have we been? Where have we liked? Where what's like our, our my dream destination, um, and then uh, I wanted to talk with you a little bit. Uh, we have uh, lots of missionary partners and, and different people in Lebanon, and, and with the explosion that happened there this last week, um, and just different kind of turmoil. Uh, what's going on in Lebanon? And we just I just wanted to have a little bit of a chat with you on that. And then lastly, we're going to talk about how has COVID changed the landscape of church and missions. And that was actually one of the questions that came in on the Ask Anything series. And so. Uh, that series is now over, and there's still a ton of questions to talk about. And so uh, if that's you, if you ask that question, today is your lucky day, because we're going to address that in our podcast today. So starting off, some travel. Where, uh, And I'm thinking of like long-distance travel, because I know that you've been to Kentucky, and that's where your yes. family's from, and things <laughs> right, like that. Right, but uh, what, what, what kind of travel have you done? Where have you gone? What has been amazing? Have you gone anywhere that you're like, man, I don't ever want to come back again? Yeah, <laughs> right. Other than, uh, yeah, no, I think don't I, say Kentucky. Your yeah, family no, no, I think I'm a, I'm a pretty American kid, so I always like coming home. Sure. That's something I love to do. But, yeah, kind of uh, in my, like, just personal life, uh, I've traveled to England and Scotland, Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, the Caribbean some, and so those are kind of, like, you know, cool personal Where did you go in England and Scotland? All over. All over. Yeah, okay. we went there my junior year of high school. My family went to England, and so, yeah, land, landed in London, and then we did some cool things in London, then jumped on a tour bus and traveled all the way up and fun. Scotland and so on and so forth. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Can you take a ferry to Scotland? No, no, you can just ride a bus there. Oh, because it's attached? It's attached. Yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. Ireland, you'd yeah. have to jump See, across the channel. And that's, I lived in Ireland. And uh, it was, I lived there for two years, and, and my friend Kevin uh, bought a car in England. And so what we did was, is we uh, flew, it was like a, literally a 40-minute flight right. from Ireland to, to, I don't even, we didn't go to London, we went to some other little airport. And it, basically, you take off, and, you, and they're like, we're at cruising altitude, and Two minutes later, they're like, okay, we're getting ready to land. (laughs) (laughs) Put away your iPhones. Yes, that's right. So we got there and we landed, and then we went and we picked up this car that he he bought, and we drove it to a ferry, and then we rode the ferry back over. It was was a lot of fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to, like, with the church and mission trips and stuff, uh, Haiti, I went there after the earthquake or, yeah, earthquakes, and helped put the country back together, led a mission team there. I've been to Lebanon several times, Mm -hmm. Africa. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that as a part of the church and doing mission What teams. part of Africa did you go to? We went to Mali. Okay. Yeah, as part of our uh, Africa initiative that we had with HIV and AIDS okay. called Renew. Yeah. Yep, so that's what brought me there. And then with Lebanon, our Engage initiative, uh, working with our partners there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Just before 
uh, actually in between when we were living in Iowa and when we moved here, uh, Christiana and I went to Rwanda. Um, and we that was a cool trip because, uh, yes, we got to see the country and they have like a museum to show the history of the genocide mm -hmm. and things like that, um, which was very sobering. But uh, our job on that trip was actually to give a retreat to missionaries. Mm. And so we went to this really cool lake on a, a little peninsula. And uh, I mean, missionaries came from, you know, Tanzania and uh, they were in Burundi, they were in Rwanda, you know, these different places yeah. where they just came in. It was yeah. like their chance to just find re refreshment with other missionaries. And I'm like, this is the best way to do a missions trip ever because it's so hard to engage yeah. relationally with people in such a short time. But to be able to invest into the people that are invested in in that space was just really cool. Yeah, that is super cool. Yeah, that is super cool. How long were you there? We were there for uh, two and a half weeks. Okay, I think so. That's a good trip. It was a really good trip. Yeah. So we were in Kigali for a little bit, and then we we drove out and went through the jungles, and you nice. know we didn't we didn't you have to pay to go on like a safari to go see gorillas and things yeah. like that. So we didn't do that, but there were monkeys, you know, at the place that we were at, which was was fun, <laughs> and monkeys do things that. They shouldn't do. Uh, That's right. In yeah, public, a troublesome. Yes, they are, and so <laughs> that was <laughs> a little disturbing <laughs> and uh, things like that. But it was good. It was it was a cool country. It was a, a great great that we had the opportunity to to go. Uh, my grandparents actually went when they were about our age, and so that was kind of cool. And they went to. Uh, some of the same places that we went to. Oh, that's cool. Um, so that was really cool. Yeah, did you take pictures in any of the same spots, like in the same poses that they were? I don't remember seeing pictures. I just heard stories. And so uh, they didn't have cameras back then. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 that's not true. Um, so is there is there any place that you haven't been able to go to that you would like to? You know, you speaking of Ireland, like my wife and I have a dream of one day going to Ireland. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rick and Jan Randall, who are part of Crossroads Church, they did this really cool trip a couple of years ago where they went to France with just like a backpack and bikes. Mm -hmm. And then they just kind of toured around France on bikes and made, you know, hotel arrangements three days in advance and mm -hmm. kind of just saw what they wanted that way. And I always thought that it would be pretty cool to do something like yeah. that. And in Ireland, just going across it. My whole family, or my Manning side of the family, is all from Ireland. Okay. And so that's kind of some of our heritage. So Absolutely. just to be able to go back there and yeah. see the cliffs yeah. and the castles. and Yeah, the West Coast is really, really awesome. Um, I liked the West Coast a yeah. lot. Um, and definitely castles, too. It, there's different kinds of castles, which I didn't real I, because they'll they'll like decorate them for different eras, and I realized that I really like medieval castles way more than any other era. And so, <laughs> if you can find a castle that's you know decked out medieval wise, that's, that's my recommendation. Yeah. Right, There's one right. Bunratty Castle that was my favorite, yeah. and they had like this little town on the outside of it that looked like an old medieval town, so you could walk around and see like how people lived in that time and things like that. And then yeah. at that time. You just we got to just explore the castle. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't like a tour because a lot of the okay. castles you have to go through a tour, yeah. and it was just it was a lot of fun to be able to just walk around yeah. um, and explore. You know, that would be super like fun. That. So, yeah, I don't know if that's still possible or not. And the other thing that the locals say is is to not kiss the Blarney Stone. That that's just a bad deal. So, um, I'll make sure not I, to. I'll throw that out there. I know that's supposed to be good luck, but. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do um, it. Yeah, the other thing, place I'd want to go back to actually is Israel. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, when we... When Maybe I, I can go with you one day because be I've cool. never been there and I'd like to. Yeah, when I was in seminary, my wife and I kind of had this deal that after seminary, we would go and take a couple of weeks in Israel and just do all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, as seminary was wrapping up, I actually 
came on here at Crossroads before seminary was over. Mm -hmm. And Sarah was pregnant with Theo, our firstborn then. And so all of those kind of trips and dreams to Israel just kind of got put on hold. and then Blown out of the water. Blown out of the water. (laughs) And then two years later, um, I went with Kim and I left Sarah at home. And so for the last 14 years or so, 12, 14 years, uh, Sarah has not forgiven me for that. So yeah. I would like to make yes. up my promise to her that we would go like to that. Israel out of seminary. I think so that that's good. Yeah. It feels like a couple's trip to me, but, you know, we'll, I'll just throw that out there and see what you say. We'll see where um, we go. Yeah. Um, so, Sarah and Christiana, if you're listening, uh, this is a, an official invite yes, or to request Israel. to Israel. Sometime before we're 65. Right. Before, yes. Yeah, I like that. Before yeah, 65. Go. That's good. My, my dream is to see turquoise water and white sand. I've never seen turquoise water. And like, and when I go into Costco, I see the big picture of Bora Bora. Yeah. And so I feel like that's the place to go. Yeah, Bora Bora. Um, it's really expensive to get there. It is. But like those bungalows, man, that's my dream right there. There you go. So uh, going to Bora Bora, staying in a bungalow uh, over the turquoise water, I just think that would be amazing. And maybe a cruise would be okay as well. I, would, I wouldn't mind going on a cruise in, like, the Caribbean or something like yeah. that. But to get to Bora Bora, have you seen the show? <laughs> you could start in the Caribbean to go to Bora Bora? Well, trip, I'm going to go all the way around the world. There you go. Okay. okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it, if I'm investing financially into this trip, it's going to be worth my while. <laughs> That's right. This is a big dream. This is a big dream. <laughs> big dream. <laughs> uh, dream big, right? That's it. Um, That's it. So Zach Efron has a new episode or show on Netflix called Down to Earth. Mm-hmm. where he's going to different countries and yep. seeing, I mean, it's kind of environmentalist and things like that, but they went to Iceland. And after watching that, I'm like, man, I want to go to Iceland. That, that I think, would be a cool trip yeah, as well. Yeah, particularly with, like, the Northern Lights when it the comes over. The Northern Lights, yes. Yeah, and super cool. they have the, the big blue lagoon, which is, like, the biggest. Uh, Bluest? It's, I don't know if lagoon. it's blue. But it's, it's like a hot spring. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we have hot springs in Colorado too, but I just thought that would be a cool place to go. Um, and apparently there's a lot of health benefits from sitting in hot springs that I did not know about. So with minerals and things. So well, on your, you on your cruise around the world, you can make sure it stops in Ireland. Make it Iceland. I mean, Iceland. Yeah, yeah. Pit stop in Iceland. Uh, yes. It's, which is north. It's going to be a weird trip, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be glorious. Hey man, it's your dream. That's right. You and McGregor actually rode a motorcycle all the way around the world. Did you see that? It was like a documentary of him and one other guy, and they got on motorcycles, and they literally, I mean, other than oceans, yeah. uh, drove their motorcycles all the way around the world. Like, they started in Russia, I think, and ended up in Alaska. Wow. Yeah. So it seems like Pastor Chris's dream. Yeah. On a motorcycle? Yeah. I did not know that he yeah. rode a motorcycle. Yes. That's exciting. So, hey, uh, you said you went to Lebanon, and uh-huh. I know that we... Uh, our partners uh, with Lebanon, and a lot's been going on over there. And so I thought it'd just be good uh, to have a little conversation. I mean, most of us know at this point that uh, that explosion happened um, in Lebanon. Uh, there's all kinds of different stories surrounding why and what and, and all of those things. But uh, how is that affecting the people that we know and the churches that we know there? And uh, maybe we can talk about other things that we can be doing uh, in order to support our brothers and sisters in Christ in Lebanon. Yeah, so it was just a week ago that that explosion happened on the port. And uh, almost immediately that afternoon, we worked pretty much through the afternoon to get a hold of all of our partners there. And so we have uh, four or five 
partnerships that we have in Lebanon as part of our Engage initiative. Mm -hmm. And so we were working uh, with them to make sure that they were okay and, you know, able to whatever they needed mm -hmm. in terms of that, that moment. And so uh, one of our big partners is with RCB Resurrection Church of Beirut, mm -hmm. and they're about two and a half, three miles away from the port. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, like everybody, they felt uh, the, the blast. The blast, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, our other big partner is Horizons International, which is about three and a half miles the other way from RCB. Uh, they, too, felt the blast mm -hmm. and all that. And when we talked to them on Tuesday, obviously they were very shaken mm -hmm. with what had happened. I mean, the amount of explosion that happened. I don't know if you saw, but there's a 150-foot crater now oh, wow. in that harbor wow. from I mean, yeah, I've seen, explosion. like, the destruction photos and things like that and watched the – it's amazing how many different angles of that explosion they have yeah. uh, because the people just have their phones, you know. Yeah, they were just recording the fire that was happening on the port, and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden the explosion mm -hmm. happened. And, yeah, so uh, all of our partners uh, have experienced damage to their buildings, windows mm -hmm. blown out, that kind of stuff, some structural damage. And so – uh, like I said, the good news is is that they're all safe. Mm -hmm. um, most of them have moved out of that initial like shock into helping in terms of the crisis mm -hmm. management. And so uh, watching them kind of begin like RCB almost immediately that night uh, started housing people who had lost their house mm -hmm. with people that had a house still. And like in their church building? Uh, in their homes. In their homes. In okay. their homes, gotcha. yeah. So in Lebanon right now, over 300,000 people have been displaced, which mm -hmm. is unbelievable to me. That's like the whole city of Thornton times two mm -hmm. has been displaced because of this explosion. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so RCB and Horizon moved in right away to start housing people, people who had lost their house, mm -hmm. moving in with other people who have home, you know, as all this mm -hmm. goes down. Uh, and so all of that has just been uh, wild to see. And so right now we're in conversations with them. One of the things that we can do immediately is pray, mm -hmm. pray for the situation in Lebanon this week. You know, the whole government resigned uh, yesterday Really? And so, yeah, pretty much what? everybody but the president resigned. I did not yes. hear that. So there's a lot of uh, social and civil unrest yeah. uh, rest yeah. in Lebanon and has been for the last year. Well, in the economy as well, right? Yeah, it's um, completely I talked tanked. to uh, my friend that's there, and he was saying, you know, yeah, the explosion is bad, but his biggest fear is just how the lira has lost so much value. Uh, in I don't know when it started kind of yeah, about a year down. ago. Was it a year? Yeah, about a year ago. The few times that I visited... Just to give some perspective, the lira is about one dollar for about fifteen hundred lira mm -hmm. is what is what the rate is, and so beginning probably about this time last year or so, the lira started to drop. Mm -hmm. Once COVID hit, it dropped even more so, kind of bottomed out. I think around one dollar for seven thousand lira, mm -hmm. so it lost sixty-seven percent of value. Didn't you tell me that value. like a carton of eggs used to cost like three lira, and now a carton of eggs is like fifteen? Yeah, bucks. Yeah, dollars. Fifteen dollars. Yeah, so okay. a carton of eggs, twelve eggs cost three bucks when I was there. Mm -hmm. Now it's over fifteen dollars. Yeah. And when we're talking Syrian refugees, which is part of the reason that we're there, uh, the average Syrian refugee in Beirut makes about fifteen dollars a week. Right. And so enough yeah. to buy one carton of eggs. Yeah, which is and unbelievable. not pay for anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, so what's going on there is pretty mind blowing. And so at this point, you know, you have the civil and political unrest the social unrest that's there. You have this explosion. Mm -hmm. uh, all of it is just... Did they, do we know, did they decide to resign because they felt like, uh, man, we don't have the answers or, man, we really blew it and we need new people there? They're like, I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Did they, 
Yeah, I have the, no. The, I'm just yeah. asking. I hadn't heard it. So yeah, the resignation happened because uh, there's been uh, a lot of marches, uh, probably more so than what we've even experienced in America lately, mm-hmm. in Lebanon, calling for um, the government to change over. Mm-hmm. The government of Lebanon is very corrupt mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, and people are fed up with it. They're tired, and so they're marching. They're protesting um, across the nation, mm-hmm. and so after the explosion. Uh, after kind of the aftermath of a few days, people organized kind of organically protests mm-hmm. and hundreds of thousands took to the street of Lebanon calling for the government to step aside, the people in the government to step aside. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they finally listened. And so I don't know what that looks like. How yeah, do you, I was going to ask. Are they going to function? What does that look like with nobody in, in office? <laughs> in office, but yeah, yeah, all the cabinet, the prime minister huh. have all resigned. Yeah. And do they want the president to resign too? Or I'm is sure just, that they do. Yeah. So yeah. although he's just kind of a figurehead yeah. in Lebanon, the president doesn't have uh, a tremendous amount of power, mm-hmm. but, um, but he's there anyways. And so, yeah, so that's what all of that yeah. looks like. And our role right now is really just supporting the, the partners that we have. So praying yeah. for them. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at what we can do financially to help them. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars in damage. Mm-hmm. And so what does it look like for, for an us economy to come? for an economy that's already broken? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So how does Lebanon, which, you know, at one time was called the jewel of the Mediterranean or the jewel of the Middle East, you know, is in economic despair. And now with this explosion, mm-hmm. it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. And so how do we help those who are believers there continue the work of hope, mm-hmm. continue the work of the gospel mm-hmm. in that space. And so uh, right now, their concentration really is on just helping the immediate need. Mm-hmm. And as it unfolds, um, I'm just praying that God reveals some ways for us to really engage and jump in yeah. and help. And so, Which is, I mean, something that you mentioned to me earlier today is just that, I mean, even Israel is stepping in and, and bringing aid, which is just... I mean, that's astonishing that, yeah. I mean, these, these are two countries that have been feuding for so, like, my centuries. entire lifetime, right? <laughs> right, centuries. And here they, you know, that's that's the the very piece of love your enemy, you yeah. know, you know, and uh, that's just amazing to me that uh, they've stepped in to do that. So um, lots of interesting things happening over there. Uh, and, I mean, just with missions as a whole anyway, I mean... COVID-19 has really transformed the way that we operate with missions globally. I mean, obviously, it's changed how we do things here locally as well. Um, but uh, I know that was one of the questions that came through the Ask Anything series is, is what does that look like moving forward now that we're in this COVID-19 season? What does that look like for missions and, and missions as a whole and really missions for us at Crossroads? Yeah, I think the big thing is when it comes to missions, obviously, travel to a lot of the places in which we are have mission work going on is very much inhibited mm-hmm. at this point, if not just con- totally disallowed. Yeah. So and missions so, trips are not in our near future. No, I don't think that they are. I mean, we have some tentative mission planning trips or mission trips that we are planning going on to the, into the future of 2021, but we're holding those loose mm-hmm. because what does it look like for us to engage those spaces um, particularly if we can't get there. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, how many people are going to actually be willing to go mm-hmm. into some spaces like this and mm-hmm. with the risks that come? And so all of that has to be weighed. So when it comes to missions, yeah, missions very much has changed, at least, you know, foreign uh, missions has 
very much completely changed in some of our thinking, and yet the need's not gone away. Mm -hmm. And so really we've pivoted as a church to make sure, and we always have done a good job of this, of making sure that our missionaries are taken care of. But mm -hmm. uh, over the course of the last several months, we've made uh, thousands of dollars uh, extra in support to those missionaries, just saying, hey, look, we know times are hard. We know that you're losing mission support because when churches start to struggle, usually the first thing that they cut is missions mm -hmm. and missionaries. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to come alongside some of our partners and say, hey, we're still with you. Uh, we're in this with you. In fact, many times, or not many times, all the time we look at our missionaries like we do our staff. Mm -hmm. And so um, so we just make sure that the first thing that happens is, is they get paid to mm -hmm. be able to do their work overseas. And so that's some of the yeah, mission trips in 2021 we're holding loosely. So mm -hmm. that's been a huge change in terms of COVID, then the inherent risks that come with that. And so one of the things that's opened up about that, though, and really missions has been kind of a curve setter in this anyways is with technology. Sure. And so things like the WhatsApp mm -hmm. or WhatsApp app. Yep. That's uh, how I was able to talk to my friend in Lebanon. Yeah, it's, it's super huge, right? Mm -hmm. And so we were able to have conversations last Tuesday mm -hmm. uh, through an app that is free mm -hmm. over in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And uh, even with Zoom calls and Skypes, mm -hmm. uh, all of the technology of the last couple of months has actually stabilized to a point where uh, as long as there's good internet connection on the other side, that conversation can be had and decisions can be made and mm -hmm. you can find out if everybody's okay pretty yeah. quickly, yeah. which was not the case even 10 years ago. Right. And so that side of missions has been somewhat exciting because in some ways we have better partnership with people now because of technology than mm -hmm. we've ever had before. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, so my grandpa, back when my mom was little, was a ham radio operator. And the reason that he got into it was because he wanted to help connect the missionaries mm -hmm. to their families yeah. so that, you know, once or twice a year they could use this, he would patch them through so that they could have conversations, you know, with, with people. And it's just amazing to me that, yeah, that's so cool. that now, uh, you know, people don't even know what a ham radio operator is because we all have our, our technology that we're able to stay so much more connected. I know that even when I was in Ireland, I mean, uh, my parents used Vonage, you know, so that they could call me whenever they wanted. It was free international calling. And yeah. so um, if I needed to talk to them, um, I could send a text message and say, hey, call me. And then when they called me, it wouldn't cost me any money. It would right. just, you know, they were already. And so all of that stuff, it's just amazing to me how much, how accessible and wonderful it is that we have this modern technology, even uh, when sometimes it's frustrating or not working the way that we want it to. It's such a blessing uh, to help us stay engaged. It totally is. And as I look at kind of the future of missions, I'm not sure exactly what missions looks like after COVID. It probably changes pretty significantly. Uh, but in some ways, it's it's deeper commitments to the partners that we have, mm -hmm. you know, and making sure that relationally that we're doing what we can to connect to them because mm -hmm. they might not be able to come see us for a season or we might not be able to get to, to them for a season. And so how does it look to continue to support the people that we have invested in and loved mm -hmm. overseas uh, during this season? Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the big changes in terms of landscape. When I think of the church and how COVID's changed the church, like we were talking about earlier, kind of jokingly but serious, that everything's changed, mm -hmm. right? When it comes to what the church looked like in January, mm -hmm. uh, we are most likely never going back to that. Not because we don't want to or, you know, mm -hmm. or would choose not to, but just the reality of the way that things have changed mm -hmm. in our culture of not being able to go back and experience what we did, you know, mm -hmm. where uh, I think there's probably a future, at least for a while and maybe forever, that big gatherings 
uh, whether they're allowed or not, people just aren't going to get enter into them, right? There's this leeriness to that. And um, so what does it look like to be a really big church mm-hmm. uh, when you can't have really big gatherings? Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're a fairly big church, but there's churches bigger than us that are going to have to figure this out as well mm-hmm. in terms of how do, we, how do we move that, which I think is in part part of the answer just like with the mission space, is that the digital space mm-hmm. is going to become so important into the church and into the way that we bring the gospel out, which is really what you're in charge of here at Crossroads now. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, we'll take care of it in a week or two, probably. Uh, no, it, it's, it's, it's really rethinking uh, really the whole paradigm of everything, right? And how do we how do we use what we have to engage people, um, both people who are par- already a part of church as well as people who aren't, right? Like the, the push before was always, hey, man, we want people to come to our weekend services to, to really get connected. And when we're not uh, having big gatherings like that, well, where are the places for people to get connected? And how do we share God's truth with them? And uh, so we've really been praying through that a lot and really, uh, God, how can we use social media uh, to uh, further the kingdom. God, how can we use YouTube and YouTube shows and YouTube, uh, you know, teachings uh, to engage with people that uh, wouldn't normally even walk through our church building doors, you know? Um, and so, uh, although it's somewhat of a daunting task, it's also exciting. I mean, it, there's a world of opportunity, and uh, I love that we used the word innovation because yeah. that's, I'm not trying to create new things. I'm just trying to use what we have and, and retool it uh, in order to uh, reach people that are lost and, and to share Jesus with them, and so I'm excited about it. I think that there's a lot of cool things on the horizon that we're looking to be able to do, and um, it's going to be a good thing. Yeah, I'm excited for it as well. I think that when it comes to like the technology, we simply look at it as a tool, mm-hmm. like you said, um, as a means of delivering the gospel and the mm-hmm. message of hope to people. You know, Quickly as I read, and, and, and vastly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so much so, right? Like mm-hmm. you read the New Testament and you see all of the apostles writing letters, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of the thing is, is that this was the tool to communicate the message of Jesus. They would sit down and they would write a letter and then they would send it, right? And mm-hmm. people would read it in their churches mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And when I say people read it in their churches, what I mean is they read it in their home that mm-hmm. was a church, right? Right. And so um, now, like looking 2,000 years. Passed it along. Yeah, from it's, that space. It's, it's not, no longer do we sit down and we, do we write letters mm-hmm. to one another communicating the gospel. Like certainly we still can, but at this point, man, we can put a message on the internet mm-hmm. and the reach is, is thousands, if not tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people with one message of yeah. hope. Yeah. Yeah, it's to me, it's figuring out how to help people engage in a way that is real and isn't fleeting. I think that's kind of our, our challenge is that as you put out more content, there's so much out there that, I mean, people just, I mean, it's just a scroll to get away from it, you know? And so how do we, how do we allow uh, Jesus to direct us? Because this isn't a problem that is, is a mystery to him, you know? And so right. that's, that's what I love about... Uh, every time it feels like there's a weight on my shoulders, I can say, well, you know what? Actually, Jesus knows better than me anyway, and so that's not really a weight I have to carry. Um, I just need to be faithful uh, to what he's leading us to do, you know? And so uh, I just, man, like I said, the possibilities are endless, and and there's always new ideas kind of coming from here and there and everywhere, and I'm just excited to tackle them and and see what God does uh, in, in, in just really 
spreading his truth uh, to the world, to our reach. You yeah. Know? And kind of a question for you along those lines. Yes. Um, when someone comes uh, with kind of like binary thinking, like it's one way or the other, right? Like it's either mm-hmm. all digital or all in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see really, because the way we see it here at Crossroads is it's not a binary option, right? It's not mm-hmm. an either or, it's a yes and an and. Mm-hmm. And so how do you see like the digital and the gathering of God's people? Because mm-hmm. uh, we're not going to abandon either coming mm-hmm. together to bear even more fruit. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> the beautiful thing is that uh, Pastor Tim and I get to kind of really work with each other a lot on that, which has uh, actually been a lot of fun as well um, to be able to work with him and uh, trying to understand that culturally when we're in-house that our reach isn't just for people that are in the building. And so uh, we're really trying to retool what we have. And we've already done that, right? Because now that we haven't had in-service uh, or in-house services, everything's been digital. And so we've been repositioning things and trying to get better at how do we create an engaging experience online um, for people so that uh, it's not just something that uh, people flip on and turn off and are like, ah, it's all right, you know, but really something that um, they're able to come and hear God's word and really be drawn into the experience of it. And at the same time, uh, I think that that's going to be a bit of a culture shift for us because when you enter the room before, like we have a lot more cameras in the room now than we did before, and I think that's just going to be something that is going to be part of our, our culture shift is, is, is to recognize, wow, we're not just reaching people in this brick-and-mortar building, but we're actually reaching people outside through this awesome digital experience as well. And so uh, we we're looking at at splitting those a little bit so that we can maintain both experiences at the same time. Um, so one of the weird technical things is uh, for sound, you know, mm-hmm. when you're listening in a room, you can mix sound for the room to sound really good. But if you use that same mix for a broadcast, it sounds terrible because the sound isn't bouncing off the walls and doing right. all the things inside the room. It's just a straight flat mix out. And so that's one of the things that we're going to need to do is, is split those and actually have two separate mixes, one for broadcast and one for in-house. And so it's just, uh, it's, you're, it's the same experience you're just presenting it differently. Yeah. Um, yeah does course. that answer your question? Or is that yeah, even where so. you were going? No, 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 I don't no, no, know. I think, I think it's good. You kind of just pulled that out of nowhere. And so <laughs> all good. of a sudden that turned this into an interview of it you. It did. Yeah. I didn't know yeah, that was happening. Yeah. So well, I always think of like the church is, you know, 10 to 15 years behind culture or what's going on mm-hmm. in the business world. And for a lot of businesses, they made the switch early in the 2000s, mm-hmm. you know, and w- one of the companies I always think of is Home Depot because mm-hmm. Home Depot continued to grow through the recession of 2008 to 2012, 13. And one of the things that they did before 2008 is they actually heavily invested in their digital platforms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while the in-house people were worried to death that they were going to go all digital to online sales mm-hmm. only and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, the reality of what they saw through the recession and then even afterwards is that the digital side complements the in-house experience at Home right. Depot. And the in-house experience at Home Depot complements the digital. Yeah. But they're not competing against each other. Mm-hmm. They're actually working together. And what they found is, is that their revenue actually went up. Mm-hmm. And so for us as a church, I don't look at it so much as a opportunity for us to drive revenue. That's not what we're about, right? We're about driving the message of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if our in-house can complement our digital and our digital can complement our in-house, then that means more people are hearing the gospel in ways yeah. that op- uh, offer opportunity mm-hmm. uh, for their lives to be changed. And that's what I'm 
so passionate about and excited about and why I'm excited for the role that you have because ultimately, I think that what COVID has forced us to do is move forward. We've said it a mm -hmm. few times, but crisis doesn't just, you know, uh, cause chaos. It also accelerates mm -hmm. things that are, were already happening. Mm -hmm. And so the church in the last six months because of COVID has accelerated 10 years where we never would have mm -hmm. done that before. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to me, even just looking back at what our first service looked like online uh, when we were, you know, shooting from North Glen and uh, to what we were able to, like this last uh, weekend, uh, I was like, man, we've come so far already, and we just continue to grow and get better. Uh, our techs continue to grow and get better each and every week, and uh, and then being able to, to move beyond the weekend service as well. So uh, those two are, are playing nicely with each other mm -hmm. um, to have a, a great experience both in-house and digitally, but then we're also looking to expand what does it look like to help people engage throughout the week. Um, something that Home Depot did as well is they made a lot of like uh, training how DIY videos um, that is on their YouTube page, right? And so they're like, hey, why are people going to YouTube? Well, they want to learn something. And so uh, you can go to their YouTube page, you can see how to build a fence. And they're like, oh, by the way, we can sell you the materials to do that. Right. Come on in, you know, right. here's what you need to get. And so uh, it, it's really uh, kind of pairing those things and saying, okay, what are the needs of people and how can we help them see that Jesus is actually going to meet that need um, and using the digital experience to make that happen? Yeah, I think that's one of the ideas that you've come up with in terms of innovation of looking at our kind of our Monday through Saturday and going, mm -hmm. what does it look like to engage people digitally? Mm -hmm. um, because the reality is, is not a lot of people came in Monday through Saturday anyways, right, mm -hmm. for that space to be discipled or whatnot. So what does it look like to disciple them using like the tools that people have, mm -hmm. you know, and so I think that you've spoken about a welder, you yes. know, and, and bringing on a welder to yes, give some look insights. Forward to that. It's, it's coming soon. It's so coming soon, we're, yeah. We're, we're putting together a little production crew, and um, the whole idea is that we want to teach some, we want to teach practical things, right? So uh, this is a, uh, a guy that goes to Fort Lupton, and he's a really, really good welder, and so he's going to actually teach me how to weld something, and I've never welded in my life. And so I said, am I going to kill myself? And he said, not as long as you have common sense. And I said, oh, man, we're all doomed. <laughs> <laughs> you might come back blind. That's right, you something. Are. Uh, and so, uh, but at the same time, what I want to do is... Uh, he has an incredible story about how God has worked in his life and how God continues to work in his life. Mm -hmm. And so the plan is to film it somewhat of a documentary style uh, to where you're teaching um, how to weld, but you're also hearing this guy's story and how God is, is working in his life. And so my hope is actually after we do it, and well, this that's just one. I'm, I'm hoping to have six to eight episodes of, yeah. of doing different things with different people. And after we let that go out on YouTube, um, I'm hoping to be able to even bring them into the podcast to kind of dialogue a little bit more with oh, them as well. So fun. I think it'd be fun to to have them come in and be a part of, of, of this as well. Yeah. Um, and they can uh, tell us more about uh, this guy in particular just works in a in, in kind of a hostile work environment, and, and he's made it his life mission to say, hey, I'm bringing Jesus to this place. Um, and so I'd, uh, I'm excited to hear more of his story and, and, and what God is doing with him. So That's super cool. That's, yeah. That'll be a lot of fun to, yeah. to pay attention to. Yeah. And you'll become like the jack of all trades. 
which means that like you can exactly. you can help wherever you're needed around the church. Here's the reality, Matt, is you can learn to do something. It doesn't mean that you do it well. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're <laughs> a master of none. Jack that's of, fair. Jack of all trades. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, so. Okay, I can I can I can live with that. So, so well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for chatting with me again today, as always, uh, man. Please do continue to pray for uh, our brothers and sisters in Lebanon and just the country as a whole. And, and we, I mean, we're praying for our country. We really we're praying for the world as a whole, as uh, God knows what's going on, and we can totally trust Him uh, that He's going to carry us through. This isn't the first time in world history uh, that chaos has ensued, and so uh, God's in control. Uh, we have faith in that, and. Uh, as always, please check us out on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, we are uh, continuing our, our weekend services every Sunday. Uh, and so crossroadsabc.live, you can check that out. And otherwise, we will be back for episode 11.